Welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, Episode 7, Servants Are Given Power. This week's Come Follow Me chapters are 3rd Nephi, chapter 12 through 16. And there is so much content in these chapters. So I encourage you to make sure that you read all of them this week. They are awesome. They are soul-filling and fantastic. But I am just going to focus on chapter 12. So the Savior is there in the flesh, speaking with the people gathered in Bountiful. He's cleared up some contention, and then he explains a lot of doctrine in the next few chapters. And we get a lot of the Sermon on the Mount. So in the beginning of chapter 12, he has just finished calling his 12 apostles. And one thing that stuck out to me was this in verse one, verse one, blessed are ye if ye shall give heed unto the words of the 12, whom I have chosen from among you to minister unto you and to be your servants. And unto them, I have given power. He calls them servants and he gave them power, power to administer the saving ordinances necessary here on earth in service of mankind. How often do we think about the service provided by local and general leadership of the church? They are given power by him and authority to serve. And as Christ would say, he has called them to be your servants. He has called them so that there could be priesthood here on the earth. He's called them to keep us unified as a people. He's called them in service of you and of me. I want you to think of your bishop or your Relief Society president. Here is a man or woman who has a life, maybe a job, a family, hobbies, and they are using their agency to say yes to this time-consuming, emotionally draining calling that they will not be perfect at, that they will be criticized for, all in service of you and ultimately to their God. To help the Lord accomplish, as it says in Moses, Moses 139, his work and his glory to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. That is why they are doing it. And if you're feeling critical and you think that they have other motivations, I always like to have the thought that it's a good thing that it's not my job to judge that. And so I'd rather just assume that that is their motivation. And I think any of us can apply that to any of our callings. We are all working together to make the church run, to help it be something that can bring people to God. And it does not work without people doing their part. And I don't care how small. And I'm going to be totally honest. It is not something that I consider myself great at. I think generally I've given a partial, you know, decent, but partial effort. It is so easy to get caught up in your own life, and it's easy to let others carry a heavier load. In fact, I even quit a calling in 2018. I was called as the choir director, and it was the calling that I had always said when talking to anyone that I might actually say no to. I love to sing, and I I think I'm fairly good at it, and so sometimes I sing in sacrament meeting, and anytime I do, I'm always terrified because I think... I always think that the bishopric might assume that I'm better at reading music than I actually am. So I'd like to give myself at least partial credit. I did say yes, that I would give it a try, even though I said I would always say no. I did it for a couple of months and I cried every time after choir practice. 
I live in a fairly musical ward filled with people who know a whole lot more about music than I do. People who actually know how to lead a choir. I don't even know how to wave my arm properly for a choir. (laughs) One of my sweet ward members even gave me a lesson, lessons, not even just a lesson, lessons on how to conduct. And it was helping and I was getting a little better, but I could tell by the comments I received from some musical people that were frustrated by my lack of ability. And it was weighing down my whole life. I would spend the whole week knowing that choir practice was coming on Sunday and just, I would just let it just really weigh heavy on my heart. And normally after choir practice, I would cry after everyone had left. But then one week I started to cry toward the end of choir practice, kind of hysterically in front of everyone. And that finally broke my willpower to stick around. I told the bishopric that I couldn't do it that I would literally do any other calling, but not this one. So I quit. Now, I don't know 100% where Heavenly Father stands on each one of my actions in this situation, and I'm aware that I may not have handled it perfectly. But thanks to the atonement, I do know that he has forgiven me for anything wrong I did in that situation, and I think I got a little credit for trying when I knew and he knew that I didn't want to. I know that this pandemic has taught me to appreciate the functions of the church. And as we get back to some sort of normalcy, I'm so excited to do better. And speaking about being excited to do better rather than beating myself up that I've done terribly in the past, a little trick that I use to be able to tell if my thoughts are coming from the adversary or from God is if I am excited to do better or if I'm wallowing in self-criticism because I should be doing better. And I know that the latter is not from God, but the former, if I am excited for my potential to do better, I know that's from Heavenly Father. He has given me power to do my little calling. Think about the phrase that we use, serve in a calling, serve in young women's. It's all about service. Serve in your home as a mother or a father. Can we apply the word calling to that as well? I definitely think that we can. Don't Forget that it's all about service to him. You have been called to serve in your family and in your ward to help to bring to pass their immortality and eternal life. And there is nothing better you can do with your time. In the church, we use the term being, quote, set apart for a calling. I read a little bit about it, and it's a term that's used in the Bible sometimes when someone was being called to do something. On LDS.org, Ronald D. Maines says in the article that's called, What Exactly Does It Mean When We're Set Apart from, for a Church Calling? He says, It is a special event which may be accompanied by an outpouring of the Spirit as other gospel ordinances. The inspiration attending this ordinance may deepen our understanding, elevate our spirits, remind us of our possibilities, and motivate us to a higher, richer quality of life. We receive an investiture of authority from the Lord when we are set apart. We can therefore act as the Lord's authorized agents and carry out his errands with his approval. Wherefore, ye are agents, ye are on the Lord's errand, and whatsoever ye do according to the will of the Lord is the Lord's business. That's DNC 6429. 
The Lord has admonished, however, that our authority to act on his behalf and to receive revelation pertaining to our callings is strictly circumscribed by that specific office of our calling. Thus, one must never assume more authority than lies within the bounds of his or, own call, his or her own calling. When we are set apart, we also receive the right to obtain knowledge and revelation to accomplish our assigned tasks. We prepare our minds to receive that counsel by following the commandments, praying, studying, and pondering the duties of our callings. As we do so, it is our privilege to enjoy knowledge that, as Joseph Smith described it, shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile. We may experience a flow of ideas that can guide us, help us develop plans and solve problems, and give us a clear, proper vision of our tasks. We also have the right to receive special strength of body and spirit. As we seek this strength, we must gird ourselves for the work. Having been set apart for the work of the Lord, we must, in a manner of speaking, set ourselves apart from the world to, to the work of the Lord's kingdom. By being set apart, we promise to consecrate a portion of our time and our talents to magnify our callings. And as I read that, I'm just thinking, man, every time I have a baby, I should be set apart to be this baby's mother because those are some awesome blessings. And I know that we get those, you know, we're already uh, endowed with power as parents, but I just, now I want to be set apart. I'm going to go have my, my husband set me apart as a mother right now so that I can feel an extra surge of power. We have so much power behind us from the Lord in our callings. We are not alone in, in this. He is here to support us and magnify our capabilities as his servants. If we are servants to each other because we are helping him accomplish his work and his glory, wouldn't he also classify himself as your servant, working for you to bring to pass your immortality and eternal life? That is his all-consuming purpose. Let's honor him and let's honor those around us who are serving with some gratitude and respect. They are doing it as servants to their God and to your God, and they will not do it perfectly, but neither will you. The only one who is doing it perfectly is him. So trust him with your soul because it is his whole work as your humble servant and king to save you. So after verse one, which... <laughs> We're only on verse one. Then we get back, we get to our own Book of Mormon rendition of the Sermon on the Mount. It is so straightforward and simple. These are ways that we can be blessed. Try to ask yourself if you are doing these things because this is a great checklist. So I'm just going to read what the Savior said. Verse one Therefore, blessed are ye if ye shall believe in me and be baptized after ye have seen me and know that I am. And I love this part. And again, more blessed are they who shall believe in your words because that ye shall testify that ye have seen me and ye know that I am. Guys, that's us. We are believing on the words written in the Book of Mormon and we haven't seen him. So it says more blessed are they who shall believe in your words because they shall because that ye shall testify that ye have seen me. Yea, blessed are they who shall believe in your words and come down into the depths of humility and be baptized, for they shall be visited with fire and with the Holy Ghost and shall receive a remission of your sins, their sins. That's us. We didn't see the Savior. We are believing on the words of those who saw the Savior. And we have been promised that we will be visited with fire and the Holy Ghost and receive a remission of our sins. Verse 3. Yea, blessed are the poor in spirit who come unto me, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
when you're poor in spirit, what do you do first? Do you go to him? Verse four, and again, blessed are all they that mourn for they shall be comforted. Five, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are they who do, who do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled with the Holy Ghost. This is always a hard one. We live in a world that has a whole lot of distraction. And sometimes I look at my days and I'm saying, I'm thinking, did I hunger and thirst after righteousness? Or was I so preoccupied with the world or my phone or social media or the, you know, the problems that my kids are having or whatever that it overtook and didn't allow me to hunger and thirst after righteousness. I think I talked about it last week. I gave up a show that I really like, and it was because I wanted, and I could feel that I wasn't, I wanted to hunger and thirst after righteousness rather than when I got a free moment to be excited to watch this show that really wasn't all that great and definitely wasn't filling me with the spirit and blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Are we merciful in our thoughts and in our actions to the people around us? Because it's pretty important because we all need the mercy that we can get from the savior and from our heavenly father. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. One of my favorite qualities of my husband is that he is a peacemaker. And I can tell you when I see him being a peacemaker, whether it's being a peacemaker with me, because he's definitely more of a peacemaker than I am, or he's being a peacemaker in his own family, When he's doing that, I can see the savior through him and blessed are all they who are persecuted for my name's sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven and blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake for ye shall have great joy and be exceedingly glad for great shall be your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets who were before you. And this is really applicable to our day. Are you willing to have other people think thoughts about you or even say things to you because of what you believe and because of the savior? So next we come to this analogy. That's just such a great one in verse 14. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I give unto you to be the light of this people. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Behold, do men light a candle and put it under a bushel? Nay, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. Therefore, let your light so shine before this people, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. I feel so passionately that there has never been a more important time than right now to let your light shine. Ask yourself, are you hiding the light inside you under a bushel? It was not meant to stay there. We are called... And there's that word again called to be servants of the earth, to be his disciples, to let the light of Christ shine through us so that others can see it and their souls can recognize it as his. He will do the work for you. He will make your burden light. And that's why I'm doing this podcast. I know that I was called to do this right now. As I type my notes, I can feel him putting things into my heart to say, and it's not even that hard. 
because I can feel him behind me. Ask yourself, what do you feel called to do? We can't and shouldn't all be doing the same thing, but we all have a purpose right now. We all have things that God wants us to be doing. Whatever you're called to do, do it. I heard someone say once that inaction is a form of disobedience. So if you know what you should be doing, even if you're scared, just start doing it. Rely on him and he will carry you. And if you feel like you don't know what your purpose is right now, find it. Ask him for opportunities to serve. And in that service, you will find your purpose. And when you find it, decide beforehand that you are going to do it no matter what. But sometimes it can be so hard to know what his will is for you. This week, I was praying so much about a decision that we are trying to make as a family. I was so frustrated because I didn't know how to tell what was him and what was my own thoughts. And as I was praying and telling him why I was frustrated, the thought came into my mind about a conversation I had with my next door neighbor friend, Katie. And in the conversation with her, she was talking about an experience that one of her friends had. And in the experience, her friend came to the realization that when she was analyzing the prompting she was feeling and trying to tell what was from God and what was from her own thoughts, she realized that God doesn't work through fear. And so if what she was feeling was fear, it was not from him. So if it's fear you're feeling, it's not from him. So while I was praying about this decision we're trying to make, I was asking him to help my unbelief. I felt I was unbelieving because I didn't, I didn't totally believe that I would be able to tell the difference between my own thoughts and his will. So I not only voiced that frustration to him, but I asked him to help my unbelief. And the thought came to my mind about that conversation with Katie, that fear is not from him. And as soon as I had that thought, it was all clear. He helped my unbelief and allowed me to feel clearly his will for us. So if you don't know his will and your, his calling for you at this moment, ask him. Ask him to help your unbelief and to cast fear aside. And as you do his will and serve people around you, it will be revealed and you will be filled with fire to do what he has called you to do. And it might not happen right away. You might not just pray and all of a sudden magically it pops in your head what you're supposed to do with your life. But the important step I want you to think about taking is when you just start to serve people, that's when it appears. That's when it becomes apparent what you should do. He will qualify you and he will support you. And even after you found that fire and you start to do it, you won't do it perfectly. It says in chapter 12, verse 48, therefore, I would that ye should be perfect, even as I or your father who is in heaven is perfect. And that sounds overwhelming when you're thinking about your calling as a mother or whatever you've decided your purpose in, is in life or, or like me doing this podcast, I'm not going to be perfect at it. I might even probably actually, I'm sure I will. I'll probably say something wrong at some point. But I'm going to close with a quote from Elder Holland in his talk, Be Ye Therefore Perfect Eventually. 
And as I read this, I want you to think about how it can apply to your calling as a sister or a friend or a wife or a mother or an aunt, and also to your callings in the church as the nursery leader or the visiting teaching supervisor or the elders quorum class secretary, any of those. Think about how this quote can apply to your ability to give yourself some slack when you're performing those callings and also how it can give you power. Quote, yea, come unto Christ and be perfected in him, Moroni pleads. Love God with all your might, mind, and strength. Then, by his grace, ye may be perfect in Christ. Our only hope for true perfection is in receiving it as a gift from heaven. We can't earn it. Thus, the grace of Christ offers us not only salvation from sorrow and sin and death, but also salvation from our own persistent self-criticism. My brothers and sisters, except for Jesus, there have been no flawless performances on this earthly journey we are pursuing. So while in mortality, let's strive for steady improvement without obsessing over what behavioral scientists call, quote, toxic perfectionism. We should avoid that latter excessive expectation of ourselves and of others, I might add, of those who are called to serve in the church, which for Latter-day Saints means everyone. For we are all called to serve somewhere. Brothers and sisters, every one of us aspires to a more Christ-like life than we often succeed in living. If we admit that honestly and are trying to improve, we are not hypocrites. We are human. May we we refuse to let our own mortal follies and the inevitable shortcomings of even the best men and women around us make us cynical about the truths of the gospel, the truthfulness of the church, our hope for the future, and the possibility of godliness. If we persevere, then somewhere in eternity, our refinement will be finished and complete, which is the New Testament meaning of perfection. Finished and complete. I testify of that grand destiny made available to us by the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ, who himself continued from grace to grace until his immortality. He received a perfect fullness of of celestial glory. I testify that in this and every hour he is, with nail-scarred hands, extending to us that same grace, holding on to us and encouraging us, refusing to let us go until, until we are safely home in the embrace of our heavenly parents. For such a perfect moment, I continue to strive, however clumsily. For such a perfect gift, I continue to give thanks, however inadequately. I do so in the very name of perfection itself, of him who has never been clumsy or inadequate, but who loves all of us who are, even the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed it, I would love, love, love it if you would leave a review. It helps other people find it. I saw quite a large increase in listeners this week, and that's because you guys are sharing it with your family and friends and leaving reviews so that it like boosts it up so that more people, when they're searching for this kind of topic, that it pops up more toward the top. So thank you so much. I hope that's made your week better and inspired you to live more like the Savior. Talk to you again soon.